0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 28, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 100, the second paragraph, beginning with, When Working With. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the 12 Steps will be Nancy O. Reading the 12 Traditions will be Katie F. And reading the text will be Rick B., Janice M., and Susie K. The share ID for Sunday, July 27th is 6695-OA Preamble.
1: Good morning. It's Nancy O. Recovered and Grateful in Ohio. One, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass.
0: Thank you, Nancy O. I will now ask Katie F. to read the OA 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Ten, a Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you,
0: KDF. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 100, the second paragraph beginning with, When Working With. I will now ask Rick B. to get us started.
3: Good morning, my name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. When working with a man and his family, you should take care not to participate in their quarrels. You may spoil your chance of being helpful if you do, but urge upon a man's family that he has been very sick, a very sick person, and should be treated accordingly. You should warn against arousing resentment or jealousy. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember, when they are impatient, the blessed fact of his sobriety. I'm looking at that first sentence. You should take care not to participate in their quarrels. And I don't think it's as common in Overeaters Anonymous to be heavily involved with someone's family as it was uh, outlined here by the authors in the early days where they told us to, um, you know, get to know the family and, and visit them and talk to them. But nevertheless if you're working with somebody, you may get to know this family. And I think it's easy to get hooked up into, into disagreements. And obviously there's going to be disagreements and this because there's resentments and there's fear and there's anger and sex problems or whatever else there is that's been outlined. So it's the sponsor doesn't want to get involved in that stuff. And It can probably go both ways. I think uh, a sponsor could be taking sides of a sponsee and looking to, um, you know, uh, tell them that their family is wrong and and, and tell them how to get back at them or how to handle it. It could take the other side where a sponsor thinks that the family is wrong and trying to uh, urge the sponsee, to do certain things, to, you know, write, write things with his family or correct them or to, to go to battle with them. But that's not our job. It's not our job to get involved in the family. It's our job to listen. It's our job to help that sponty with their problems, um, help them to look at their own defects of character, help them to look at where they're wrong, help them to look at what they can do better, and not to be a referee or a coach in these uh, squabbles. And I go to the very last sentence and it says, ask them to remember when they are impatient the blessed fact of his sobriety. Well, the first sentence says, when working with a man and his family, I think we should tell the the prospect also to remember the blessed fact of their abstinence, of their own sobriety, because sometimes when they're new, that's all they have to hang on to. It's not the most important thing in this program, but without it, especially in the beginning, without maintaining that abstinence, nothing else can be solved. All those problems will just multiply and continue on. So I to kind of uh, sum up. We don't want to get involved in problems. We want to be objective, and we want to focus on that compulsive overeater and their own part in these problems. And we'll be much better off if we don't get involved in that stuff. I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Rick.
0: Who would like to share on this paragraph? If you would like, you could press star 1 to unmute and share on this paragraph that Rick just read.
4: This is Bella. Can I share?
0: Sure, Bella. Go right ahead.
4: Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella and I am a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Um, it's a wonderful and powerful paragraph, and um, I will talk about the sentence. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Yes. Thank you, God. That I I entered this this uh, zone the, the the zone of growth, I am not looking anymore of be perfect I am looking of of progress and it 's a growth it 's a hope I am not, I am not connected anymore to my own ego that I want to prove that I know everything and I always write and I do always. The right thing, I am connected now to the power the, to the power of acceptance to the power of love. I am connected to to God and it 's such a wonderful word uh, the growth and it it brought me it 's like a baby yes when when we are when we are dealing with a healthy baby we don 't expect from a newborn baby that he should start to walk tomorrow. He needs to go through a process and he, ha- he needs to go to certain levels till he reaches the point of walking. And this is the same with us. We have to look at our growth and not to, be, to see the progress and not to, to, to blame and to be criticized when we are not perfect because we cannot be perfect. God doesn't want us to be perfect. We, our goal is to grow, to see the progress. And one of the things that I learned in the program is one day at a time. And it's such a freedom, such a peaceful way to live the present, to live the moment, to live now, not to... to to blame ourselves for the past and not to live in the future, just to live the present. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, well, this is. Hello, Rebecca. Rebecca. Oh, Raquel. Hello. Raquel, go this right is ahead. Her. I mean, go right ahead, not right
5: to hell. <laughs> Raquel, it's your turn.
6: Oh, thank you, thank you. I thought I heard somebody else. Well, with this, uh, hi, hi, Rebecca, and hello to all, all my good friends on the line. In this um, paragraph, I think we have to make a little bit, I don't know if it's good that it is this way, but a little bit of a distinction between how OA is rigged up, at least as far as I know it, until now. In the next, in the last 35 years I've been with it, that the term anonymity, uh, which touches upon this, has 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 pulled itself to such an extreme that um, uh, even knowing family names, uh, it came up in a meeting not long ago, in a face-to-face meeting that people don't want their their last name to be known. It's like go visit them in the hospital, say, I'm looking for Lisa, and they'll find her for you right away. But instead of seeing it as as it does in in AA, that in front of press, radio, or public communication, it has become this anonymity thing, uh, something completely different. So where it hinders uh, in trying to... um, to um, make some contact with the family, not even with the family, but through the, the person I'm working with and to empower her to, yes, dare and say to the family that um, maybe for now she's asking for their help and, and that some foods and the way that she cooked until now, there will be some changes for a while. I don't know for how long, but for a while, please help me. I have this problem, I can't explain maybe the whole thing to you, you won't understand, but I need for now to not have certain items in the house. And those people that I worked with that that really were themselves convinced and were able to put that across to the family, received that cooperation and that help even if they didn't understand and were able to do the at least the initial um, uh, abstinence well. But the problem is that most people do not want to even, in a way, to disclose to their families that, yes, I'm different, and we did it this way until now, now, please, it's not going to be the same way. And the baking and the cooking, uh, the baking especially, I remember when I gave away all my baking utensils to my daughter-in-laws and to my granddaughters, They're, that's it, you know, it's, it, there's going to be some changes, because I want to be for you the best mother and the best grandma I can be, and I can't do the things I did for you before. There's lots of it to buy outside. I'll give you the money to buy it. But when the person themselves in, in our program is not convinced yet that he can come out with this, yeah, I'm different, and it doesn't seem like it's going to change in the near future, so we have to make some other changes to accommodate for me. I have this disability. How can you help the family? I don't know. It's a half-question and um, half-statement. Later, maybe somebody wants to relate to that. How does this um, paragraph relate to us in, in OA? Thank you for listening. Thank you for being there. I pass.
0: Thank you, Raquel.
7: Hi, this is Linda D. in Connecticut. I'd like to share on that.
0: Hi, Linda. Go ahead.
7: Hey, Becca. Hi, everybody really great to be with you. I would have sworn, oh, I'm so grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater, Linda D from Connecticut. Um, I would have sworn when I f- first started reading, well, I don't have contact with people, their families, I mean. And then I, I was sitting here doing something and I and listening and I thought, "Oh, wait a minute, I do." And maybe this would help somebody. The contact I have with the family is when my sponsee is talking, especially when I first met this woman, uh, I was talking about a uh, a family member that was, uh, there was a divorce. And um, I felt so protective of, and I was new to sponsoring as a recovered person. And the old fashioned way of sponsoring, being a cop, oh no, I'm not doing that. So, um there I am, and there 's a divorce and um and i was felt very protective toward the person and I made a remark or two that was judgmental about the ex partner and and I also of course, the sick man 's prayer, and I recognized that the person the partner was indeed very sick, and I stressed that, but I did make those kind of, um, not kind of, judgmental remarks, kind of sarcastic remarks uh, about the person. And um, it's one thing to say that this is an abusive situation. It's another thing to get angry at the person and so forth. And um, I'm human and I messed up and I just realized that. So maybe that would help somebody because I soon learned, Linda, shut up. This is a sick person. No judgment. I hope that helps, and I pass.
8: Thank you, Linda. Hi, this is Linda. Mayer. Linda, go this ahead. This is Gail. And then Gail. Um, this is Linda B. from um, Philadelphia. I'm a compulsive overeater.
2: Um,
8: I wanted to just share, you know, one of the things that I hear from that paragraph is it is as critical to my own recovery as it is to the person I'm trying to help that I stay out of it my addiction tells me I can control everything, I can control everybody, I can fix things,
9: when the reality
8: of the situation is I cannot do that. And, you know, step one tells me I am powerless over food. You know, I am powerless over, you know, fill in the blank. I'm powerless over other people's behavior. I can only control my own behavior with the help of my higher power. So I hear in that paragraph um, my recovery is dependent on my staying out of it um, as well as the recovery of the person that I'm trying to help uh, and I pass.
0: Thank you. I'd like to share.
9: This is Gail. Can you hear me? Yes, I do, Gail. It's your turn. Okay, thank you. This is Gail in Texas, and good morning, visionaries. I uh, also work as a counselor, and I had two people come in wanting to... Uh, amend their relationship, and so they they made agreements, and it looked they made agreements. And one one was an active person practicing sobriety for a considerable amount of time, and very dedicated to the relationship. And the and the other didn't have any work in the twelve steps, and sometimes um, made fun of it nevertheless i I happened to bump into the partner that didn't wasn 't in a twelve step program and I asked them how it, I asked her how it was going and she said her partner was following through on the agreements, but she wasn't and what was very interesting I was just sort of taken i didn't i think I stayed plain face uh, but what was real clear to me is that, about this paragraph that we just read is that the paragraph is right here is making an assumption that the family is sane. But there are people, I mean, families can have all kinds of neuroses going on and to just stay out of it. And that's what I did when she, she said she was aware that she was not keeping her agreements, and the sobriety person was aware that those agreements were not being kept. And that's enough because as we become more sober or abstinent, we have more ability to accept reality. And by not participating in, like, in the dynamics of families, we don't mess up that process. And I think that's what's really important in this first paragraph. And I stayed out of it. I didn't say anything to the woman in the parking lot about her behavior. But she did have awareness that she wasn't keeping her agreements. But what was really interesting, that she had no remorse about that. I thought that was very, I mean, that was a really shocking to me in some way. And so just keep out of it. That's, and I think that's one of the important things that this paragraph is saying. Uh, and I'll pass now.
8: Thank you, Gail. Did anyone else want to share? This? Who was that? Sorry, Rebecca. This is Katie D. from Boston. Hi, Katie D. Hi, thanks for your service. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Recovered KG, Compulsive Overeater, thank God. I was sitting here thinking, what? How is this paragraph pertaining to me? And um, what came up to me is, um, so it came up to me, for me, rather, is how we do the work, right? So when when I was first in step four and I was angry, my sponsor did not, um, you know, allow me to call her or she didn't support me calling her. And ranting and raving about how I was a victim. Instead, she lovingly directed me to my step work, which allows me to see the exact nature of my wrongs. And when I do a turnaround, for example, in step four or step 10 or step 11, because I'm angry or afraid, I am not being asked to capture the story about why I'm right and why they're wrong. Instead, I'm asked to Captures the causes and the conditions, what my faulty perception is about the situation. And um, I just, I love that because um, it allows me to get neutral feedback. If I'm working with someone um, and I'm turning over a resentment, it allows me to get neutral feedback on the one thing that I can control, which is my response, right? Like, allow God to enter into my heart and alter, you know. With, with his help, God willing, admit my powerlessness over my sick thinking and alter my perception of the situation. And ultimately, like, you know, and with regard to the family, every time we work with one another, we I, I, I mean, we are impacting one another's family. Like, right, like I may not directly be in touch with um, my sponsees' families and they may not be talking to my family, but – how they are recovering, you know, me, me putting their, me helping support, put their hand, putting their hand in God by seeing, by understanding the exact nature of this disease, the resentment, the fear, the, the sex conduct, um, and most significantly, you know, the selfishness. I'm directly having an impact. God willing, I can help, um, you know, as people help me and continue to help me alter the perception. And I also just want to close by saying, I love this idea of that we all we are all upon a period of growth and that my character defects are not going to my own character defects are not going to disappear overnight but can I can I be willing am I willing to look at them daily you know and living in step 10 through 12 am I willing to see how my selfishness is coming up it may not be as blatantly obvious and life-changing as it was before, but it's still there. And am I willing to surrender and accept that it's there and and look at things differently? Um, So just so grateful for these continued directions, which for me are giving me clarity on how to relate to other people. And for a woman who spent majority of my life relating to diet plans, food, and getting what I want, learning how to relate to other human beings is a total privilege. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Did anyone else want to share on this paragraph?
0: Hi, Larry. I heard Rabia? Before Larry and then Rabia, who was first?
1: Nancy O. from Ohio.
0: Okay, Nancy O., Larry, and Rabia. Go ahead, Nancy O.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's Nancy O. from Ohio. And I, I just feel led to share. I'm very grateful he recovered Um and it does affect my husband. It does affect my family. And, you know, we've, I'm telling a little bit about we've had an issue with a 13-year-old dog that we just love, and it's been an emotional m- emotional time for us. And last week there was a, a little bit of a what I would say a heated discussion between my husband and I, and I just want to say how Recovered Sponsors, truly affected my husband in an indirect way again as i've heard prior working with working with me and you know i called two recovered sponsors in tears and one called back and left a beautiful message i wasn't able to get and i was able to get somebody on the phone across the united states and she led me to see that when i get fearful i go inward I don't always do that, but sometimes I do. And perhaps that my spouse comes outward when he gets fearful is what I mean. And uh, how we weren't uh, meeting in the middle, she didn't say that, but I came to that conclusion with prayer. And I was able to gently go to my husband and, and explain what I had learned. And it's been a totally different situation since then it's been such a miracle. We've dealt with this issue again this weekend, and no no heated arguments. We're on the same page. It, it's been a miracle, and I am just so, so grateful. And it's a miracle that I'm almost 39 years married, and I'm still learning more about him. But the recovered sponsor I spoke to and the one that left the message did not get into our quarrels, nothing, you know helped me see my part, and in that I'm able to grow and affect my spouse. So I'm so grateful. Thank you all.
10: I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Nancy O. Larry?
10: Good morning. This is Larry, recovered uh, compulsive over reader from Chicago. So, um, okay, so it says you should warn against arousing resentment or jealousy. You know, I'm reminded... You know, way back when, when we read about the instructions in, um, you know, in, 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 in taking our own inventory, that resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. And then lastly, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. That's that's what happened to me. So it's the message I carry, you know, today. And look, I, you know, we all, I, I remember when I was still practicing the disease, you know, we're either practicing the disease or we're practicing recovery. When I was practicing the disease, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to call, uh, you know, a sponsor up or anybody up, but I was looking for. You know, that, you know, it was my, you know, take my temperature every day. You know, what am I, who, who, who stepped on my toes? And I'm going to tell you about it. And what was I looking for? I was looking for someone to commiserate with. And if I got someone to commiserate with, you know what it did? You know, commiserate, like, you know, someone, oh, really? You know, your boss did that to you. She did that to you. Oh, man, that would make me so angry. I could see why you're angry, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's the blah, 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 blahs. And the thing is, is it's not that I'm not empathetic today. It's not that I I, I don't identify. I certainly do. But, see, what I know today experientially is that resentment is the number one offender. And it keeps me, it does something for me. tell you what it does for me. It keeps me stuck in the quicksand. You know, I had to change. This whole program is about spiritual change. You know, it's about tapping into a power source that would, you know, that allows for this transformation, for this change to occur. And that's what occurred, you know, what happened in my life. And so when I talk to people that, you know, get, uh, you know, too engrossed in that, it's not, oh, don't think about that. Don't feel that. No, not at all. You know, I can understand. I, I might say, and you know, I can identify with that. I certainly, but it didn't. It didn't help me in my disease, and it certainly didn't help the other person. You know, I was sick, and so you know, what what, what kind of behavior did I engage in? Sick behavior. Argue. I was argumentative and isolated and angry and detached and up and down and up and down. I'm not that way anymore. So I move on to the solution. I don't, I don't live in the problem today. Thank you, God. I live in the solution today, and the solution is relying on a power, a power greater than myself. I don't fix myself. You know, this, this power fixed me, and now I can live a life where I don't need food, nor do I struggle in food. I don't, my life, I don't struggle in life, but oh, let me tell you, I have calamity and challenge just like you do. But I don't stay stuck in it. You know, God did this for me. How? Did I read the book? Well, yeah, I read the big book. I, I practiced the steps. That's all I had to do. And a transformation occurred, you know, over time. And now I'm transformed. I'm changed. So I'm grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Larry. Rabia.
5: Good morning, Rebecca, and everyone. Thank you. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, and I'm I'm thinking this morning reading this paragraph about my OA family, my community of my face-to-face overeaters Anonymous meetings, and um, where. When working with a man and his family, this is a real family. This is a decades of a family, and um, we should not we should take care not to participate in their quarrels. Um, he has been very sick person. I've been a very sick person in a way for decades. I've had stock raving abstinence. I've I've put the food down, and I've never gotten through all twelve steps and lived in them. So. I've been in some character defect or another. You know, I've sat, sat in the rooms with others for years and um, in fat serenity, you know, loving each other um, while we're staying in the food and um, and and taking out of context parts of the big book. You know, we quote from the big book, but for example progress not perfection I mean that's a topic at so many meetings and, and what people talk about is that progress with food <laughs> you know that they're, they're not perfect in their food but they're better than what they used to be you know or they're not perfect in their behaviors um, but they're better than what they used to be and for me I use that as an excuse for bad behavior and um, over and over again, and um, and I understand now that progress, not perfection, talks about my relationship with God and the perfect ideal of living according to these spiritual principles, and um, and and how how we've twisted, you know, the the truth of this big book um, to keep us in the food and keep us in bad behavior. And I speak for myself when I say that also. So so just because. Thank you dear God that that I have recovery now in this big book and I do see that we're in early growth we are in a period we've entered upon a period of growth that 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 there's more and more people now um recovering in the big book and a small handful in my community and like the mushrooming effect that will happen you know and and i need to be very careful not to go in there with my guns drawn you know in my big book language i mean just really pull back and know that the second tradition that god is the ultimate um source of um every single meeting and and every interaction with people um and the blessed fact of our sobriety you know the blessed fact that that, that we do have a chance to live in sobriety and abstinence now through these 12 steps and, and, and to bring love and tolerance and patience and, um, and compassion um, into uh, into my and into our face-to-face uh, meetings and, and know that I'm not running the show anymore. God is in charge and, and healing happens and um, and it's not up to me. Thank you. I'll pass with that.
0: Thank you, Rabia. This is Rebecca, and I'd like to share. Larissa. Um, yes.
8: Sorry, I'd also like to share. I didn't mean to cut you off. Your name? Larissa.
0: Larissa. Okay, I'll go, and then you can go, Larissa.
4: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, I was going to say, and someone else said it, but I'll repeat it, that our defects of character are not going to disappear overnight, and that is obviously so true for me. Um, God decides when my defects of character will be removed, and he removes them when he sees that I'm truly ready and that they aren't serving uh, purpose for me anymore or for my fellows. And um It reminds me on page 87 where it says, Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration, we come to rely upon it. So, you know, when it comes to progress, not perfection, I think that's the point, that um, we're not magically cured of all our uh, character defects overnight just because we got sober from food addiction. It's a process that takes, I guess, the rest of our lives, um, God willing, Um, because we're human beings, and we're not God, and so we do have character defects, but little by little, um, things have gotten so much better for me in that area, and I can accept the pace um, that God has in store for me. And the other thing is, at the end where it says that, remember the blessed fact of his sobriety, you know, they're talking about when, we work with someone when we're sponsoring someone, um, there's a baseline assumption that the person's going to have the blessed fact of sobriety. So if we're sponsoring someone who isn't willing to put the food down or if we're asking for someone to sponsor us but we're not willing to put the food down, we might want to take a look at this. Um, The writers of the big book are assuming that if we're working with someone they're sober and with that i'll pass go ahead larissa you hear me now i do
8: great good morning my name is larissa i'm a grateful recovered compulsive and relapse survivor in new york really grateful to hear all the wonderful shares this morning um so a few things are coming to mind for me. It's making me think about in how it works when we're learning about step three and they teach us about the actor and how there's a line in there that says, um, were we not even in our best moments produces of confusion rather than harmony? And there's another reference that we play. the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run by it, but he usually doesn't think so. And so when we work these steps, we get, a measure of understanding of the patterns of our selfish self-centeredness and what that's creating, the havoc and the harm that that's causing in the world around us. But it's not like you flick a switch just because you now understand your selfishness and you're a part in it, and then you're never going to have another selfish thought or selfish act. And so, you know, there's no reason for step 10 if we could just, you know, flick a switch and get it right. There is no perfection here. It's a willingness to grow along spiritual lines and you know it's a willingness to pray for patience, love, tolerance, kindliness, goodwill towards all men so that when we are engaged um, in interactions with our loved ones um, that instead of just getting into the fray I, I used to be like a, a, a drama queen who loved my drama and and now I really feel like I get to live in a drama free zone like life still brings life I've got cancer diagnoses and cancer diagnoses and um, all sorts of, um, you know, big deal things that come up in the world. But we're promised in these steps that, um, you know, just to the extent that we rely upon infinite God and humbly do it, he would have us if he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And so it's not about right fighting anymore. It's not about needing to win. It's about needing to be in alignment so that, like, what's in the best interest of all parties involved is usually what comes to heart and mind. And for some reason, I'm also thinking there's a promise that Ted will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. And for me, my go-to in recovery is always, what's the loving, honest thing here? Like, those are the two principles that I get to always go back to and look at, no matter what's going on around me. Um, And it's really just, it's something not to be missed for those who are still suffering and struggling. Um, It's so not about the symptom of my disease, the food that I was turning to and shoving into me willy nilly um, to the point where I was destroying my health and my body. Um, It's really about what's going on in my spirit. How is my connection to the God of my understanding? And am I allowing him into my life in a way that works for me and for others? And, um, When I do that, life unfolds really beautifully. Um, And, you know, it is not an overnight matter. It continues for a lifetime if we're lucky and we get to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And the more we get to help others, the more that understanding and effectiveness really gets solidified. So thank you so much for letting me share that I Thank you, Larissa. Hi. Hi, this is Rachel. I'd like to share.
0: Go ahead, Rachel.
8: Thank so much. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Rachel H. calling from New York. I'm a host Overeater Overeater. I appreciate all the service of everyone here. Um, as I'm listening to everyone share, um, just, you know, the amazing beauty of this program, but yet how difficult it is to transmit or show that beauty to a newcomer and that challenge. Um, I think that for me, at least, when I first came into the program, I was looking at the steps and this program as so much work. I would say to myself, oh, so much work. And even right now, I'm I'm on my fourth step, and it requires a lot of time, and it's so easy for me to think to myself, you know, this program requires so much work. And a lot of newcomers, that's one of the first things they might think is, you know, they hear people talk about how long it might take the steps or just the requirements of time. And then I always remind myself that I never hesitated to invest work into my disease I've gotten up at one a m in a snowstorm to cross the street to go buy a pint of ice cream i've i mean just even from a disorganization perspective, part of my disease is just being incredibly disorganized very dissociated, disconnected from my surroundings and losing things and the amount of work it, it took or it takes to find what I need when I'm in my disease, whether it's clothes to wear, you know, that feeling of going through tense outfits from my closet because I can't find anything that fits to where to work, um, or just feeling like bills are about to expire, you know, like feeling like I'm paying bills like the day before they're due, you know, that that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work being in my disease. And the only reason why it didn't feel like a lot of work was because I was so used to it and it was just what it was, you know, just so familiar to me. But I mean, I I need to remember all the time that in no way, shape or form was my disease a breeze. I mean, my disease was not a breeze. My disease was such constant heartbreak and just work and, and just that the, the, the fatigue of having to wake up each morning with another pep talk for myself of today's going to be the day. Like, it's just so exhausting, so incredibly exhausting. So I'm just so grateful to be on this meeting and to hear people talk about that balance of showing someone, yeah, this program takes work, and if you're going to, you know, if you're going to think that you could just wing it or do things boastfully, or take quotes out of context and say everything, all that matters is progress, not perfection, even though that's in a big book that's specifically talking about our spirituality, it's not talking about our food, it's not talking about you know, abstinence or working with program. Like, be my my abstinence needs to be perfect. And as long as I told myself progress, not perfection, I had an excuse why I didn't really have to put down the food at night or between meals or put down my food behaviors because in my head it was always relative, like, Okay, so I'm still snacking at night, but at least I'm not baking a cake. At least I'm not eating a plain of ice. Like as long as I was it as perfection, I was really shy before so I'm just so grateful to be on the street show the messages that I need here and be able to learn from everyone else. And with that I'd have
0: Thank you, Rachel. Janice M, could you read the next paragraph?
11: I'd be glad to. Thank you. My name is Janice M, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. If you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. In this way, you can set them on the right track without becoming critical of them. The story of how you and your wife Settled your difficulties is worth any amount of criticism. Okay, now we're gonna get back to what this uh par what this chapter is all about is it is is giving us guides our uh, recovered compulsive overeaters as sponsors direction on how to deal with the sponsee. We're not, as we, we have read, we're not psychotherapists, we're not counselors, we're not doctors. What we do is we listen, we share, and we pray. We give directions of our own experience. So what it's telling me here is if, on condition, if I have been successful, well, guess what? It, I am successful, but it wasn't my success. I didn't give this success to myself. It's God's omnipotence through me that I can share what it was like in my home the first 50 years of my marriage. I mean, that's some success, and it's not mine. Trust me. I can share what I was like when I first got married, what happened. I got into this program and experienced and implemented these steps and what it is like now. That's the only thing I can do. Because, you know, I intend to, you know, have like uh, two mouths and one ear. Um, and, um, I, I, you know, I can't do that. So this is what's changed for me. I have been successful. And, you know, if you haven't been or you have no experience here, you don't talk about it. How can you? Um, and so, yes, my problems, I mean, most of my problems, I would say all of my problems, have been solved. Do we, do we still live in a bubble? No. Do we have problems? I mean, things that can't be fixed, yes. But you see, I have a God now directing our lives through me. Because, um, you know, um, before I was the director, my job description was you, you control, you give advice, give your own opinions, you know, all that stuff. didn't work. Didn't work. So the best thing I can do as a guide, as a sponsor, is to share my experience, my strength, and the hope that is out there for you. If you, if, if, on condition that we go through these steps, have a spiritual awakening as a, as the result of these steps, and then you will be successful. It's a guarantee. It really, truly is. And then we can. My story. Can help any sponsee better than anything I could say to them or any advice that I could give. You know, gear them, refocus them on their own recovery so that things will change in their life, including their family, their home. Um, that's what will happen. That's my experience. And pray, say that serenity prayer that, you know, that, that only a higher power, whom I choose to call God, will give them the wisdom to know what to do not me as a sponsor i don't know i am um, you know i can just tell you my own story god is the one that's going to give them wisdom on what to do and guide them and it'll be better than
0: anything anybody could say and with that i pass thanks thank you janice um. we probably only have time for one share so whoever speaks up 1st we'll get that opportunity
12: GDF. this is paula may I share?
0: It's Paula. Go right ahead, Paula.
12: (laughs) Well, thank you, and thank you for the the opportunity here. And this would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Over Eater. I'm only going to get one line here. In this way, you can set them on the right track. See how often I was on the wrong track. Finally on the right track without being critical of them. That's it. Not looking at them from a higher to a lower. Looking at them right eye to eye. I've been there. I was there. Without being critical of them. That's amazing. But this part here, I bring them right back to the big book. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself. And that he live by spiritual principles. There's the steps. That's the right track. That's getting them on the right track. And where's that? As was just previously said, asking God. Let's ask God. Because every situation, the outcome isn't the same, nor should it be. Your situation may be entirely different than mine. And here, again, we come to, I just love this line, without becoming critical of them. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Why could you have done this? Because, see, God also blessed me with a memory. I remember I remember where I was, and that's what I share, where I was and where I am today. And that is the hope of this program. That's the miracle of the steps and their humility. The steps aren't steps up. They're steps down, down to humility to know who I am. So that is what I share, and thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do happily pass.
0: You know, I think there... Thank you, Paula. I think there was someone else who tried to speak, and if you want uh, a short share, you can have it. Who was it that tried to chime in at the same
8: time? Judy. Go ahead, Judy. Thank you, Rebecca. Judy, yes, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Massachusetts. I just want to say, God is so awesome. I never thought that this would be true for me, the story of how you and your wife, or in my case, my husband, settled your difficulties is worth any amount of criticism. And that because of these steps, and it was just because of these steps in God that my marriage was restored. It is better than ever at 17 years of marriage, and that's because of God and um, without any steps, the action I needed to take. And when God changed me, the marriage was changed, And, um, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judy F. Okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Susie K. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
8: Good morning. This is Susie Kay, a grateful recovered, can also be overeater and name. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.